Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. I still have the tail end of a cold, so forgive my voice for sounding a little off. I have several events coming up in the next few weeks and months. I have a singles event on Valentine's Day at Bar K. It's a dog bar, and I will be there for Dig Dates, which is a dating app for dog lovers, not just owners, but dog lovers. Saturday the 15th, I'm going to be at Russell Your Friends, which is a queer community event. It's all about sex positivity and teaching consent. Then on February 20th, I've got, it's a Thursday, so it's third Thursday at the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. It's a free event. It's one of the best parties in town. If you've not been to the Nelson for third Thursday, I highly recommend you come this month because I guess I get to add artist to my <laughs> LinkedIn bio because I'm going to be hosting a graffiti wall at third Thursday. The theme is love on the brain. And thank you, Rihanna, for that. On the outside of my graffiti wall, I'll encourage people to write positive things about love, things that make them happy and song lyrics, poems, whatever, a good memory about love. And on the inside, I'm going to ask people to please share memories that make their heart hurt or make them sad and hold them back. Things that they're fearful of, things that scare them in relationships, all the kind of dark stuff. So it's to honor the duality of love and how sometimes we can have some mixed feelings about love. I think that's about it for my events coming up. So let me tell you about this week's guest. Nyla Foster is a youth advocate, community leader, and political activist. She is the reigning Miss Black Trans International. She sued the state of Kansas and won, making national headlines, and she helps LGBTQ plus youth in crisis in Kansas City. We talked about her trans experience, what good sex is like, sex parties in Atlanta, and staying in her feminine energy. This is not a conversation to be missed. Enjoy the show. Keep them coming today. I have Nyla Foster. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. No, thank you. I've been meaning and wanting to do something like this. I know. I know. I When I first approached you, you were like, yeah, okay, yeah. And then we kind of got delayed. And then uh, you stopped me when it was like, I need to come on and talk to you. I'm so glad you're here. So, well, introduce yourself to everyone. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Nyla Foster. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, also known as Angel Yaman um, on the stage. And I'm a woman of trans experience. I'm a black woman. I'm a woman first. My experience just navigating womanhood has just been different because I identify under the trans umbrella. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm so glad that you're here too. I mean, I definitely feel like every day I'm learning things and I know my audience has questions because recently some of them have been asking me some things. So I didn't just bring you on here to like answer listener questions, but I'm, I'm so glad that you're here to simply talk more about your experience as well as experience of people who are trans too. So, you know, none of us ever speak for everybody in our community. However, I love having this show so that I can have people who express their voices and their experiences because they can be highly relatable for a lot of people out there. Even if they're in a different, I don't know, category, outgroup, whatever you want to call it. So again, thanks for being here. Gosh, I don't even know where to start today. So one thing you did mention is being Angel Amon. So tell me a little bit about your work in pageants because you've got a pretty hefty title. Yes, yes, yes. I am the current Miss Black Trans International. I will be relinquishing the title May 7th of this year. And a little bit about that journey um, competing to be Miss Black Trans International. I started competing about three years ago. Mm -hmm. I heard about the pageant. It was all about advocacy. The three pillars are uh, philanthropy, community service and elegance, which Mm -hmm. were traits that I just knew that I embodied. It was the only pageantry system that is bridging the gap between uh, pageantry and advocacy. Mm -hmm. So um, really fighting for equality and and just advocacy and all of those things that I was already doing in my daytime. At the time I was working at the Kansas City Anti-Violence Project. I was anti-violence advocate working with members of the community who identified as LGBTQ, who were survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, hate crimes, and even, even you know, victims of murder. Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt like the perfect fusion of what I was passionate with in two different realms, pageantry and advocacy. So it was like, boom, like this pageant is made for you. Yeah. So I went the first year, got first winner up. Mm. So, you know, I was a little hard on myself. And I, I, I cleaned some things up and went back the next year and got first run up again. <sighs> uh-huh. So it, it was it was it was a bit of a challenge. It was I was I was going through so many thoughts in my mind like oh my gosh should I keep doing this like do they not want me like what is it they don't see is it me you know all the self doubt mm-hmm. things but really and truly if when I look back at those um, former years of me competing I wasn't the winner. Mm-hmm. I was second place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second time around, the first time around, I didn't win any of the categories. Mm. The second time around, I won interview. And interview is the most highest scoring category. So, And it's also the first category of the pageant. So basically, I was winning the pageant because I won interview. So I was in the lead. Mm-hmm. Then once we got on stage, the tables turned and I got into second place and stayed there. The the categories are interview, presentation, and presentation is the first time the audience sees you on stage. It's usually a theme in pageants. Mm-hmm. Like, say for instance, if if it's a gay pride pageant, presentation theme may be represent a color of the rainbow. But this theme is usually Queen of Queens and King of Kings because there's also a Mister Black transnational counterpart. Gotcha. So I was second in presentation. I tied an evening gown with the winner and was second in all of the categories and knocked me to second. Just last year, this is my third time going, third time's a charm. Uh-huh. I have literally studied everything. 
that I've done thus far in the competition, even even in my past titles, looking at those score sheets and really fine tuning, you know, the my package of what I wanted to present on the stage. And I won the pageant. I won Yay. every single category. I won a Nicely few ca- done. Yeah, I won a few categories with perfect score. But I mean I was I was first run up two years in a row, so it was the third year, so I had better win or one. You yeah. came you came with something to prove. Yeah, so. it was it was it was weird because it, it was the in the talent portion I did something different. I usually don't I usually dance or do some type of routine thing, but I did a spoken word poem by myself in one talent. And it, it, it was it was a really, really good feeling. So since since being crowned Miss Black Trans International, suit the state of Kansas in one. Yes, I I do recall seeing you in the news. I actually kind of sat, was like, oh, I know her, and you know, turned the volume up. What was going on? So that that was uh, a pretty big case that made national headlines. So yeah, tell the listeners a little bit more about what that case was all about. Well, it was about getting the the state of Kansas to uh, make it law for trans Kansas to be able to correct, not change, but correct their birth certificates because it was the only document that we couldn't change. Mm-hmm. And it was a document that added us and, and subjected us to like discrimination. Because yes. if the lines are aligning with, well, according to my religion, it's against my religion for you to identify as trans and come in my business. So I want to, you know, or even work here. So mm-hmm. I might not hire you if I find out that you're trans due to your birth certificate. So it just kind of just it outs you. So it was the one document that I couldn't at the time getting changed. And I just felt it was my duty to step up and actually do it because we were, there were only um, a few states, Ohio, I believe Tennessee and Mm -hmm. Kansas, who had that same law. And Kansas, you know, they they agreed to make that that change. And we're we're now at a point where trans Kansas don't have to out themselves no more with that document. You made some points there about like safety is is paramount. Yes. You know, you live in a small town in Kansas. You have to go into your employer and present your your documents to show that you can work there. Birth certificate is often one of the easiest things to get because otherwise, I believe it's like uh, your social security card, driver's license, passport. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a passport. Most people have their birth certificates. But yeah, if that employer not only doesn't hire you, but then outs you to the entire town. Or, yeah, that's a big safety issue. Or if you, say for instance, you lost your ID or your purse was snatched and you have this birth certificate and you have to go to the, the DMV. DMV. And they're looking at that going, this, this, did you steal somebody's birth certificate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, so, so, and valid point too, it being one of the few states that uh, doesn't allow for people to have and. One of the things I'm trying to learn to say and train others to say is to have the affirmation of your gender, the correction of your gender mm-hmm. is how you put it. So it's not about changing your gender. Your gender was, you know, change is not about that issue. It really is about affirmation, right? Yeah, most definitely. I like that affirmation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> how long did that case take to make it through the court system? About six to nine months. I was say, it seemed like yeah, it was it pretty was quickly. Pretty, it was pretty quickly, yeah. I wish I would have got some money out there. For <laughs> no, no, no. It, Girl, you need uh, to have a book deal off of that. I you know? know. You know what? That, that Maybe that is the, 
that's the way I kind of. Any publishers uh, out there, editors that you know <laughs> want to help Nyla out with telling her story? Yes, I have a story. So, most definitely. Well, tell me a little bit more, if you would, about your 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 personal story. I mean, we've talked a little bit just when we've you know sat down and chatted, got to know well, each other. Yeah. But you know, it's I've had people of trans experience on here before, but they were either non-binary or things like that, or had been like Jay Pryor. It was on one of my, I think, episode five, talked about their their gender as a journey going from identifying as a lesbian to a trans woman, and now, after stopping hormones, goes by they and them, and is gender non-conforming. But you are my first woman of trans experience on the show. So before we get into talking about the kind of the nuances of, of that talk about how we describe it, yeah, I'm curious how much, if what, what you would like to share about your journeys through, sure. through your experience. Well, I guess we can talk about, you know, how, like I said, I am a woman of trans experience. Mm -hmm. And what that means to me is, yes, I'm a woman, but my experience um, in womanhood has been of that of a trans person. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's something that I shouldn't omit or something I should isolate and just say I'm a woman. Although I am a woman, but I want to own that I'm trans. Like, this is what trans looks like. It, it doesn't always look like... Um, someone um, in the closet or someone transitioning at 70 like I'm a young woman who just happens to be trans and I'm proud to to be that and I feel like there's a beauty in that and I think a lot of times when and I can't speak for the whole community but I think a lot of times when trans women just say oh I'm a woman what they're really saying is like I don't want to I don't want to be trans I don't want to own that and mm -hmm. I'm just a woman like everyone else. And you are, and I totally get that. But, you know, I, I, I'm i here recently, have learned to, to own that and um, affirm that because, I mean, there's so many things that we have as trans people that, that tell us, like, we we need to change or you need to get facial feminization. You need to get all these 10 surgeries to have a feminine face. I'm like, okay, so you... <laughs> I mean, every woman Not even every woman has, has a super... Fi so then what are they saying about women that don't have a super feminine face that we're just... You know, I am a cisgendered woman, so what does someone think that I might need to get done to my face to look more feminine? Like, that's bullshit. I agree. <laughs> and you can totally cuss on here, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I totally agree. That is complete, utter bullshit. And you have these girls who are, who are saving up... So much money to get their hairlines pulled down, their cheek and chin implants and removals of things. And it's like, honey, you're 20 years old. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. by the time you get all that shit done, you're going to look 50. Yeah. I mean, because I think that no matter no matter who you are, one, you've had plastic surgery, It's you can tell. You can tell. Like, I used to work in the restaurant industry, like, in a nice restaurant when women or men would walk in and they'd had like lip injections. Like you can spot it a mile away. Nose is done. Cheek, like, yep. And sometimes they're all friends with each other and they're all sitting there. And it's like, did you all go to the same doctor? Cause yeah, it, it, it shows. And and, I but I mean, at the same time, I don't, I hate to feel judgy as well for them that choose to do it, but I feel like I hope that they're doing it because it's, it's them and it's not that they feel like society is telling them that that's what they need to look like in order to be like a real woman or you know this barbie sort of feminization that cisgendered women have been going through since it was introduced and you know i, I hope that 
<sighs> but I'll, I, 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 I hope it's not back off of mm-hmm. what you're saying, and, and I know that that dysphoria just looks different for some people. Mm-hmm. Like some people look in the mirror, and no matter how much makeup they put on, or how they, how much extensions, or how much they grow their hair, or mm-hmm. or things, it's not enough. Yeah, they still right. see that old person, so they need to make a change so they can see something different. And I'm yeah. okay with that. However, mm-hmm. just just in moderation. Customize it to where it's the least severe, especially for young women, because mm-hmm. I feel like plastic surgery works better when it, for older. Like I feel like you should get stuff done to your plastic surgery when you're maybe thirties, late thirties, going into like middle age. That's when you get the, those plastic surgeries to make yourself younger. Or, or say, for instance, if you your nose is really fucked up and you need to fix your nose, like, okay, bitch, fix your nose. <laughs> but don't pull your hairline down and get lip injections and, 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 and cheek implants and chin implants and jawline shaved. All because That's a lot. That's a lot. They get them all done at one time. Oh, ow. Yep. <laughs> That's like, that is waking up and being a totally different person. Yes, and it's like, can we just pick like one or two things? Not mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> so, well, I was having a conversation earlier today, actually, because um, I recorded a show for someone else's show, uh, and we had just some time to talk afterwards. And he was kind of asking about a personal experience that he has a friend who is a trans woman, and but only identifies as a woman. So he was just kind of asking me questions about that, about you know how do different trans people identify? And I said, well, there is a wide variety out there, and. I guess I understand why she chooses to just identify as, as she. But it is up to every individual to kind of pick based on their, their lives and their safety and yeah. what they've been through, right? Yeah, most definitely. I would say I, I, I sacrificed that, that privilege of stealth when I started working in LGBTQ human services mm-hmm. and doing pageants and doing shows. I kind of um, removed that, that layer of stealth that I had to be able to identify as a woman because before then I, I was like um, the, the other show host friend who, who only identifies as a woman. I, I, I kind of had that same mantra, but I kind of evolved from that. I kind of gave a piece of myself so that others could um, see the beauty and the affirmation of just owning being trans because for a long time I would try to come up with different ways to erase it or try mm-hmm. to water it down or lessen it. So for me it was just you know, um, self-growth and, and owning it and loving me and, and all all of me holistically. And so that's how um, I look at that. Yeah. Well, and with your title, you're a role model yeah. for people. And I mean, I've seen you also, you know, Trans Day of Visibility. You do a lot of public speaking. You're out there, you know, doing big things, Nyla. You really are. You're not, you're not shying away from... Just kind of owning who you are and and being out there helping the community at large. So, yeah, so, it's not just about you; it's about <laughs> helping everybody. I sometimes admire I that. miss those days where I could just go like, oh, um, I don't think because I'm a passable woman, but I just feel like I have such a familiar face. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing all this trans and LGBT stuff, so it's like sometimes it's like, oh my god, I, I don't. I know more than likely these people probably know I'm trans or I probably have some Rambo button on or some type of indicator or some something. 
And it's like, oh my God, 10 years ago, I would have never been in this place. Like, you couldn't pay me to, but it just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a beauty just in that. Yeah. So may I ask about your, kind of your path from, you know, one of the things that I get asked about by people who are, are not on the queer spectrum, and, and I mean this when I say it, they're genuinely coming from a place of trying to learn. They often ask about like, well, when do people know that they're trans? I'm like, well, there's a difference between knowing in their hearts that something's different and it's probably their gender identity versus coming out. So make sure you separate those two (laughs) because usually trans people know from a very young age. So I'm just curious. What was that for you? It's like my earliest memories. Mm -hmm. I've always saw myself as a girl. Mm-hmm. On the inside, um, I know on the outside, things are a little different, but preschool, mm-hmm. I've always been a girl and I've always liked boys. Mm-hmm. I was a little boy crazy, mm-hmm. and but I always saw myself as a girl. I would try to feminize my name as a child. Mm-hmm. I would add an extra E at the end and, and, and make it feminine. Uh-huh. When I when, when it would say, write your name, or, or you know, I would drew a picture and have to sign at the bottom of the picture, I, I would do that. And my mom was like, why are you doing that? She knew why I was doing it. And I, I knew it, too. And I was, and kind of just showed, you know, my level of intellect as a child. Because this was like preschool. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that if I added that extra E, that the name turns into something else. And, and sounds sounds different. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's the thing that, again, people coming out in their teens or their 20s, their 60s, whatever... It's different than actually knowing because most people trans experience know from a very young age. And that's something that I do try to educate people about. There is currently legislation in the state of Missouri to try to make kids participate in sports that are like of their biological sex. So do you know much about birth certificate laws in Missouri? Actually, um, you can get it corrected in Missouri. Yeah. So my thought is, well, I didn't know if there was an age limit. They say like, well, once you're 18 or... Can, you know, a, a kid who's already been going through um, their transition, you know, because they've got a good supportive family who's helping them with their affirmation, can they change it at like 15 or 16? Because if the state law is about your biological sex, well, if your birth certificate says your sex is or your gender is, mm. like, can they... Get a, kind of get around it. Right. Because kind of is, is there a way know. for the school district to go? I mean, obviously the school district might know, but if you move into the school district, they might not. I guess just the thing is, I get what they're trying to do. They, they're the, there's people out there who think that, oh, well, you're just going to have you know, boys you know, competing in girls' sports so they can get like a scholarship or get the trophy or whatever. You yeah, know, they'll take advantage of that stuff. Money. And that's not what actually <laughs> happens. What actually happens is you have a kid who's known from a very early age who they are. Their families support them and you know, help them with their, their transition. And then somebody has something to say about it. That's like this. Uh, this I, and I saw this online. It says... Often people think it's against my religion for you to do that, but really it should be it's against my religion for me to do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, people's religions, biases, how they were brought up shouldn't dictate how the next person is. Like, you, yes. you all that shit Thank should you. apply to you, not mm-hmm. people and everybody. Like, no, that's not how that works. And mm-hmm. if a trans boy or girl wants to play sports, let them play sports. Exactly. 
exactly. Well, and then there's also just school districts who don't have the opportunity for, you know, boys and girls to play on their, like, there's no boys team or there's no girls team for something. So then they play on the girls or boys team. Like, beyond that, there's just the logistics of it. There's the, like, inclusion of it. There's the, even for intersex kids. You know, a lot of intersex individuals don't know that they're intersex until they're older because they have some sort of a MRI or they're having a medical issue. But sometimes, you know, from birth, intersex kids, you know, their parents know. So what about those kids? Like, are we then to out those kids? Like, it's all just so muddy. And I, that's when I hate when legislation tries to dictate what is going on in people's lives because there's so many nuances and there's so many what ifs. Like, let just let people be let people i agree so apparently there's um gonna have to be a fight in missouri against that piece of legislation so i'm sure aclu missouri is on it i'm sure i'm sure they're pretty good at um, lobbying and getting support around bills that are shit transphobic yeah yeah there's transphobic ones there's oh there's one against the it's called the parental oversight of libraries act yeah, it's to create a parental board for every public library. And if there's something that someone deems like obscene or age inappropriate, that they can bring it before the board and the board has final say about that material. Well, that's what the law, the, the proposed legislation says. But the guy who's been going out in public, it's Ben Baker from Neosho, and he's obviously a Republican. He is saying publicly that it's about the drag queen story hours. That he finds oh, those inappropriate. I, so now, I like, saw. all the drag queens are apparently going to do a protest March 7th in the, the Capitol. Which I love. I'm going to love seeing all the, you know, fabulousness that's going to be down there. But still, just... Why does this shit keep happening? <laughs> Fuck. Ah, so, anyway, that's going to be funny because on... it's always the, the politician who is the most um, outright or against anything colorful or LGBT, they're usually closeted. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's been a lot of I think, politicians that have been arrested in the last couple of years who have been so like, like loud mouth, anti-LGBT, all, you know, all of those things. And then mm-hmm. it turns out like, oh, yeah. Trying to hook up at the airport or something. Right, yeah. In the bathroom or something. <laughs> so weird. So if anybody's got some dirt on Ben Baker, <laughs> or Josh Hawley for that matter, <laughs> we need to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Anyway, so off politics. So let's talk about something more fun. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. And we're back. So we might change gears a little bit here because we've only got a little bit of time left. Let's talk about our sex lives. Ah, are you seeing anybody? I am. I am. Yeah. I've been seeing a guy since July. Was that the handsome fellow you brought to the yes, holiday party? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we're, we're going. We live together. Um, we're dating. It's a thing. Congratulations. Yes. Ah, so love, love, love. I love love. So this might be airing close to Valentine's Day. So Oh my god, it is close. Mm-hmm. He it's better have up. something planned. And hopefully you've got something planned for him too. I, I do. I do. Yeah. Good. Mm, love love is lovely. 
I'm looking for my love. So, but in the meantime, I'm having plenty of good sex. So let's talk a little bit about good sex. Yes. So, what's good sex to you? What is what is it like? Good sex to like? me is when it it, it it doesn't feel like an obligation. Doesn't feel like a chore. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting their rocks off. Um, uh-huh. I, 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 mutual satisfaction. Mutual satisfaction. I went to a sex party in Atlanta, even though I'm dating. You know, it was totally open with my partner. Um, didn't engage in anything, just just there as a foyer. So I, I was just observing, you know, because, hey, it was something I wanted to experience down there. And just a lot of the girls were, like, throwing themselves at the guys in a way of, like, servitude. Like, they weren't even getting pleasure. It was like, honey, that's not real sex. Like, this is a sex party. Like, you need to, like... Get yours, too? Yeah, you just came here to suck dick. Like, mm. you need to be getting your rocks off and getting licked on and sucked on and stuff. And to me, that's what... Or even just touching yourself. Touching yourself. Like, maybe your boundary is that you can give oral, but you can't receive something. Maybe that... But still, like, if they're not doing anything to experience pleasure while they're giving that blowjob. You know... Pinching your nipples, masturbating, mm-hmm. using a toy, um, hell, hump his leg. I don't know. Like, Do whatever. Something. But it's like, oh, my God, you're just content with, with just get dropping to your knees and bending over? No. Like, come on now, ladies. Like, make him work for it. Do you not know how to use your body? And that's what I think good sex is about, being able to use your body comfortably, loving yourself. Because you got to love yourself enough to make yourself come before you can learn how to make somebody else come. Yes. Yes. And if you don't like your body, how are you going to be able to use it and love it and please it with somebody else? I just put my hands up like preach because that is something I I talk to people about all the time. You know, when when people come to me and they are talking about, you know, not not even just about mismatched libido, but just not having women not having any libido. Um, not wanting anything at all. And I'm like, well, what's your masturbation habits like? And they're like, I don't. I'm like, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. Because if you don't, if you don't have good connected sex, it's often because you're not able to communicate what you need and what you want. But if you don't know what you need and what you want, which is what you discover through masturbation and, and sexual exploration with your partner um, and being open to new things, then... Yeah, no wonder, no wonder. When you don't know your body, it's really hard to share it with your partner. Yeah, and they're not gonna know it. They're gonna be like, "What's this?" They're not. They're not psychics, right? They don't read our mind. And everybody is different. Everybody's different. I like that. Everybody's different. And plus, I talk about this all the time. One time it'll feel good on the left side, and then the next time it feels good on the right side, and. It just kind of depends upon like where your body's at that day, mm-hmm. uh, how your hormones are fluctuating, how the fucking moon phases. I don't know, but yeah, I think being in the moment with your partner and watching their body and listening to them and listening for those sounds that they make, and then but also listening when they're like a little harder, a little softer. But being willing to say those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you learn to? How did you learn about your body? What was that kind of, you know, you were talking about having good sex is because you can talk about yourself and share it, but like, you know. Well, it was. Because sex education doesn't teach us about masturbation and self exploration. No, so, and what was that like, like? At the while, you know, you know, masturbating for a trans woman who's who hasn't had a 
uh, a preoperative trans woman who still has, you know, a different kind of part downstairs. It's like, how do you pr- approach masturbation and still mm-hmm. and still be f- in the feminine? Mm-hmm. And for a while now, there I was like, oh my god, like this feels like masculine because of this mm-hmm. body part. But then I had to think of myself like, you know what? I'm a woman with a dick. And this is what it looks like for me to for, for, for pleasure. And I don't think my pleasure and my body should be categorized in between the feminine and the masculine. So it's like, I had to own that. Like, you know what? This is what you have to do as far as masturbation. But there's other things. I have nipples. I have breasts. I have... Mm-hmm. I have other things, erogenous zones mm-hmm. and parts of my body that I like touched and, mm-hmm. and fondled. So yeah, I, I I learned pretty early. There's many ways to produce orgasm yes. and pleasure. Yes. Right? Yes. So I I am curious. There is a toy out there that I have sort of wondered if I totally understand what you're saying about like especially a manual masturbation of, of yourself would, again, as you're saying, take you out of your feminine energy make you feel like you're back more in the, the masculine. Um, there's this toy that you can actually just put over the penis, over the shaft, and it's hands-free. Because my thought was, if it's not a stroke, you know, if it's just vibration, and it's just, you know, you place it on your stomach, you put your, you know, shaft into it, like, again, if there's no, it, it just it taps the perineum and it creates vibration and sometimes men come you know in two minutes so my thought was okay if that could be for preoperative trans women can it also provide like just a really good pleasurable sensation while without taking them out of kind of their feminine energy because it's not having to utilize a stroking sensation i think it would and i'm interested it's from Hot Octopus. I think I've seen somebody... I believe it's called the Pulse 3. The Pulse 3 Hot Octopus? Yeah. Okay, so it's their Pulse Solo Essential. So that's what it looks like. Oh. I just pulled it up on my phone for Nyla. So, again, it's just something that slides over. So, you know, the concept being that if it just... You hit the button and it does its thing, it really is just... Think of it as just like, it's just the nerves being stimulated, you know? And and those same nerves are going to be, if you go through the the surgery, then that's the same nerves that are going to be utilized to create your orgasm later on anyway. But they're being stimulated in such a different manner that, yeah, my hypothesis, I guess, was... Well, I don't like the name. It's called the Guybrider. Oh, I thought it was just the pulse. (laughs) Guybrider. Are they just calling it that? And the design is very... Uh, it is definitely designed for cisgendered men in in mind. Absolutely. But maybe you can just put like some glitter on it. Let's do that. Let's let's find a way. It is, you know, it. and yes, I get the marketing is, is very much mm-hmm. towards like the masculine, cisgendered. Yes, I get that. Absolutely. Just like so many vibrators out there are hot pink that are used for internal stimulation. Mm-hmm. Hell, external stimulation too. So, um, yeah, That's there's, good idea, though, there's but a way, but maybe somebody needs to make one for the girls. There we go. Absolutely. Okay. Well, there's our feedback for hot octopus. I'll tag them in the, the show notes and, mm-hmm. and tweet that at them, yes. pull a little clip out of the show for them to, 
to give them your, your feedback. So, Hey, thank you for like checking this product out with yeah. me because I just, I wanted to run it by somebody who would give me like honest feedback about like their overall thoughts on that. So thank yeah. you for that. Thank you. So, um, here we're just a couple minutes left. Ooh. Can we do your tarot reading? Yes. All right. So I've already shuffled this for Nyla. Get him. Do I pick the first card? Or? Well, I want you to go ahead and um, split it into three piles for me. All right, well, because this is the last one you touch, so let's go with that one. Okay, you got the eight of water. If you could describe what you see here um, for the, the listeners. Oh, wow. I see a woman bathing mm -hmm. in sweet water. Mm -hmm. Very much like the African Orisha Oshun, who I identify with. Sweet water, love. Fertility, womanhood. Um, that's what I see when I when I look at this card. Well, the water suit is about your imagination, and mm -hmm. it's about like it. In other cards, it corresponds to chalices or cups. Anyway, so the the sense of sight in the spiritual and emotional sphere. Water controls daydreams, mental images, the lure of the unknown, and of exotic and adventurous situations. And it's also part of the attraction, which comes from what is irrational and from romantic desire. Ooh. Well, you kind of left off on the note talking about your, your honey. Um, so the eight. The eight is about renunciation, responsibility, reversal, reversal of a mistaken path. It's about Saturn and Pisces, which is the need to focus and consolidate in an inspired way, be it idealistic um, but subtle. So, you know, when you're in the eight, your, your goal is to always kind of be working upwards. So, like, the nine is where you reach independence. And then the ten is kind of like fulfillment. So, but the eight, I think, is a, a great number. And that is a very pretty card. So, with some of the things that you talked about with, you know, fertility and being that sweet water and, you know, that, um, was it a goddess you said that you identify mm -hmm. with? Arisha, Arisha. Oshu. Um, from the African diaspora, the Yoruba religion. Mm -hmm. There are many Orishas, and um, Oshun is the Orisha of the sweet water. She is like the African um, equivalent to Aphrodite or, ah. or Venus or, or um, a deity like that. So, yeah. That is, I would say, definitely a very Venus-like sort of pose there for that card. That is a lovely card. Mm -hmm. I love these cards in that they... Everyone yeah. has seen something different in the cards, but everyone has seemed to really like the card that they get and to identify with it in some way. So yes. I love that you picked that out. Most definitely. Well, Nyla, this has been a lovely conversation with you tonight. I'm so glad that you finally came by. So um, well, you are more than welcome to come by again sometime. So. Most definitely. And how do we tune in? So you can get this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I was actually just about to ask you real quick, how can people find you? How can they support oh, you oh, too? Okay. www.nylafoster.com. Mm -hmm. Currently right now the website's under construction, but it will be um, live within the next week or two. Perfect. And I'll send you an embed for this episode so you can put that up there in your little news cool. section if you like. Cool, cool, great. 
And um, you can also find me on Facebook, Nyla Foster, Instagram, Afro Prepster. And I'm working on Twitter. Okay. Oh, Twitter is one of those that I, I participate when I can, but Instagram's kind of like my big thing. All right. I'll, I'll find you on social media for sure. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.